Hey, Shannon. Let's talk today about some of your favorite online literacy resources. I, I just want to like talk all things resources today. Oh, I have such a long list of free resources that I go to online all the time. So I am so eager to share with these with you and the rest of our audience. This is the Reading Teachers Lounge, where listeners can eavesdrop on professional conversations between elementary reading teachers. We're passionate about literacy and strive to find strategies to reach all learners. Shannon and Mary are neighbors who realized that they were literacy soul sisters at a dinner in their Atlanta neighborhood. Once they started chatting about reading, they haven't really stopped. Come join the conversation. Welcome to the Reading Teachers Lounge. This is episode 5.3, Online Literacy Resources. I'm Mary Sagafi. I am a reading tutor and also a dyslexia advocate. Um, I have been in the field of education for about 15 years now, and um, I, Shannon and I are now on season five, learning along with all of you about the science of reading this year and also um, learning in the brain. So we are excited to start this season together. And um, yeah, all right. I'll Shannon. introduce myself. <laughs> My name is Shannon Betts. I have been teaching since 2000 two, either in the classroom or as a reading specialist. Currently, I am working part-time at a private school, um, working with grades three through eight as a reading resource teacher. You can find me more online at readingdevelopment.com or at RDNG on Twitter and Instagram. And you can, if you haven't, I mean, obviously you're listening to us on the podcast app, but if you would like to find us online, you can find us at readingteachersounds.com or on Instagram or Facebook at Reading Teachers Lounge. I have such a long list, Mary, of go-to reading resources. And I I found a lot of them last year as we delved into the science of reading. Mm -hmm. And I was able to find um, through those Facebook groups um, about science of reading, I was able to um, find some links of some high quality vetted free reading curriculum for phonics that's online. So I want to list a couple of those and um, share some of the other resources that I like to go to for decodables and for vocabulary and for comprehension. I think our listeners are going to be so excited because this is a good eavesdropping podcast where you really want to hear like, okay, what are they using? What are, what are their go-to literacy resources when they're, you know, feeling like in a bit of a rut, what can we use that's online and free? Right. So like, for example, um, I was just researching about how to best teach the consonant blends and it's different than how I used to. Now that I'm more informed with science of reading, I used to just teach them as blends. Like here's the L blends, here's the S blends, here's the R blends and so forth. But now I'm learning through these online curriculums that blending is a verb. It's not a noun. And that we, the students actually don't need to learn the consonant blends as like another phoneme or something to memorize in their brain. They just need to understand that it's an action of blending consonant sounds together to make you a more fluent and quick reader. What? Yeah. I have not ever put that together. Holly, that Holly Lane. Holly Lane is where I got that one from. And okay, she's on so UFLI. Yes. Yes, I 1 million percent agree with that. But I often am really focusing on teaching each of those blends so that when students recognize them, 
they recognize them as a blend. But you're right. It's not always the most important task to do. Right. It might be too much them. of a cognitive load for the students and they might not be clear that you're not asking them to learn new sounds. And so because it's not a digraph. They're correct. two individual sounds. We want them to blend them. And Ooh, so she was suggesting already blown. She was suggesting like instead of um just doing a lot of activities where like a student will change lap to lamp mm-hmm. or lap to clap you know, or lap to slap. And so that they're aware or then the opposite where you take slap and turn it to lap and do it with reading and spelling and dictation orally so that the students are seeing that it's still very similar to the CBC word. There's just another constant sound attached. So anyway, that's one of the websites that I love and um, UFLI, which is the university of Florida literacy Institute. I think, Mm -hmm. I think it's what the I stands for. And they just came out with their own reading curriculum and it is fantastic. Yeah. A big resource page. It's amazing. Huge resource page with decodables and uh, all the lesson and PowerPoints are all online for free. They do suggest that you get the TE, which is about $70 to really okay. help support you. But, you know, if you're just looking for a decodable for short A or something, you could actually find it on there. I okay, also UFLI. love UFLI. I also love open source phonics. They have a really good scope and sequence and they teach it in a similar way that I've always done it. The Wiley Blevins, you know, sort of scope and sequence mm-hmm. where it's the, you know, the short vowels and the, then the digraphs and then the long vowels and then the vowel yep. teams and things like that. And they also have uh, decodables that go along with those. And, and and every it's like a little lesson for the week and like what to do each day. And they give you the list of words to write on the board and they give you sentences. And it, it's really helpful just to, you know, so you don't have to come up with all that on your own. And um, along the same vein of that is it used to be called West Virginia Phonics, but now Tools for Reading has put it underneath their umbrella. Um, and you do need to sign up for their website like you have to do a login but then it's all free you just have to I get so I just use my google account and they have Mm -hmm. an amazing like a lesson for a week-long lesson on closed syllables and everything you need to do to teach closed syllables they also have free resources like a free sound wall that you can print with pictures and things like that it's wonderful I really love those lessons that they have especially if you are more of a novice teacher and you you know, really need to see it's a super detailed lesson that it goes like step by step step each day. I think that that's a really great way to start if you are just kind of learning to manipulate the um, the literacy classroom, because it really does tell you exactly what to do. So I do love um, the tools for reading West Virginia um, Department of Education website, right? Or yeah. it's, a, it's a, like well, an affiliation of the West Virginia I think so. And in fact, I don't even see a whole lot of West Virginia wording on the materials I think, anymore. I think it's all been absorbed by tools for reading. But I, I maybe like one of our listeners might correct us on that. Yeah. And if you do, and I also think that one of the um, lead people whose name I don't know, so please inform us if you know, um, she has moved um, to more of like a, a national platform. And that's probably why they mm-hmm. changed the tools for reading. Cool. Yeah. And you said for a novice teacher, and it is good for a novice teacher, but I like that it's not so scripted. 
And so mm-hmm. I get a lot of ideas, even as a veteran teacher, where, okay, let me just look for one more activity that's not in my toolbox already for closed syllables. I can look through, I can kind of skim through that week long set of lesson plans and find like, what's the different activity from what I've already done with my students and just grab that one and go. And so um, they have great things. Um, Also core knowledge, LA, CKLA, they have their entire curriculum for free online. Again, you have to sign up for your email address, but they have the kindergarten textbook and the student workbooks. They have the first grade textbooks and the workbooks. And you do you have to dig a little bit deeper for their scope and sequence, but you can find it. And Mm -hmm. then you can, see, you know, in their curriculum, where is it that they introduce the metric key or where is it that they introduce the vowel teams and so on. But that's got everything you need. As long as you have a printer mm. or a whiteboard, you should be able to, you know, find a lot of activities for your students. Um, Walpole and McKenna, uh, I had learned about them quite a few years ago when we had had a reading specialist come and work at our school from the state of Georgia. And she was a huge fan of the research that Walpole and McKenna had done. And mm-hmm. they created, they offered their reading curriculum for free. It, it was called bookworms, but now it's called open up resources. And okay. um, we'll link to those in the show notes as well. Again, you need to give them your email address, but then you have access to their full curriculum resources. So well, that's, there's a number of go-to just sort of, here's a ready-made phonics program. You can just grab and go awesome. and work with your students. Um, whether you're a reading intervention teacher, whether you're just trying to help your child at home or whether you're in the classroom at some of the early grade levels. Um, obviously we love FCRR. Love it. And we have a whole episode from season two about how much we love the Florida Center for Reading Research. So we'll just link to that one in our show notes. Um, we're, if you, you want to go to that web, that episode in particular, where we go in very detail, specific detail about which activities we like from that website. They're organized by grade level bands, like kindergarten, first grade, second and third and fourth and fifth. And then Mm -hmm. it's organized by topic, whether it's fluency games or comprehension games or phonemic awareness games. Parts of speech. There's all kinds of, um, I, I love the, I love all of the games and there's probably not one lesson that I'm teaching that doesn't include some (laughs) And they're such easy. It's like one page directions. It's one page directions for the, Mm -hmm. you know, whoever's leading the activity. And then, you know, a number of pages that are pretty easy to print and copy. And sometimes I color them. Sometimes I don't, sometimes I laminate them. Sometimes I I don't. And you can just, you can just use it for whatever you need to. I love these games for kids who are doing interventions and their parents want to do something with them at home because gamifying something is always a way to get a buy-in. And so um, I always practice the game with the student first, but then that's an easy resource to send home and it's likely going to get played with because it's a game. So um, the buy-in is usually a little bit easier, especially if the student already knows how to play it and then they can teach either a sibling or um, their parent how to play. Uh, do I do love that. And I also love their, um, they have such an easy game to play. It's not even a game. It's fluency for phrasing. And they have already the phrases there. And the the phrases go into a pile where either yes, you read it or no, you didn't read it. So they want to see how many they can read. And it can also be a timed thing or or a practice like, uh, no, I'm still struggling with one of the words in these phrases. I'm going to put it in the no pile. 
And that's and a high value it. activity because you're working on the high frequency words and, and uh, fluency at the same time. Right, right, right. I love fluency phrases. You mentioned that, I think, in the first episode. So I'm really awesome. big on it right now. <laughs> so um, I mentioned also in the first episode that I was going to be working more on vocabulary this year with my students, especially mm-hmm. because we've set a school-wide goal to improve our writing scores on the access test for our ESOL students. And one of the things they're looking for one of the things WIDA is looking for in their writing is students using academic vocabulary mm-hmm. in their writing passages and also using a very more complicated sentence structure. And so I've been delving into vocabulary resources. You know, I ordered a bunch um, with federal funds and my Van Cleve one came since this week. I'll have to tell you about that later. <laughs> They're amazing. <laughs> the ones from Van Cleve. I got all these like root games and prefixes and suffix activities and things like that. Oh, they're so good. But nice. anyway, for free online, I found on Flow Vocabulary, they had a list of academic vocabulary words that are for every grade level. And oh, that's helpful. Yes. I printed those and put them right next to my lesson plans. And, you know, so like my fourth grade list, I went through, um, I looked at the book and the, the list of the words. And then I looked at the uh, text I was using for our small group reading for next week and like, okay, what word can I include? Um, maybe it's already in the text or maybe it's related to what we're talking about in the text. And so then I could go over the meaning of that academic vocabulary word real quick and then um, have the students use it in their speech and also in their writing. Great. Yeah. That. Um, so we also like, I have so many of the printed games um, from FCRR for vocabulary. They have really good um, ones about context clues and antonyms and synonyms and things like that. Um, Homonyms and homophones, Mm -hmm. really good ones, multiple meaning words, things like that. And then- You know what? There's one more that I love where they also sort all of the different like parts of speech like that. So you sort- contractions, synonyms, antonyms, and homophones, I believe. So you look at uh, what the, you know, if it's a homophone, it gives you two different homophones and you have to sort it into a column that says homophones, but um, it's a way for students to categorize what that's really good because sometimes the students can't pull that up. You right. know, on the, you know when they're thinking about the map test or the Iowa test or something, it'll say, "Here are two words. What are they an example of?" And they can't mm-hmm. remember what's the difference between a synonym and an antonym and a contraction and a homophone and all those. Yep, they do I need love that to learn one. those category words. I think shifting your thinking in that too is really important if you have kids who have difficulty with shifting um, and and being able to categorize. So I love that game. It, it takes a little while and a little bit of practice. You might want to do a partner with it, but um, that's a great one. Um, when I was analyzing my end of the year map scores last spring, last school year in the spring, I noticed that a lot of students scored low at my school in vocabulary, which is mm-hmm. why I ordered a bunch of vocabulary resources. And I also started searching online and looking. Well, first I went on the map continuum of skills to see what was it in vocabulary they were missing. And a lot of them were missing shades of meaning, which makes sense, especially for English language learners, because they don't understand the difference between a trot and a gallop and a run 
and a canter mm-hmm. and all these other words for going fast. You know? Yeah. And so that started me on an internet search and I found a couple of good resources about shades of meaning and also some go-to lesson plans um, to work on that with students. I found one from reading rockets.com and it was talking about semantic gradients and that's going even deeper with shades of meaning. Yeah. I think Reading Rockets has the best topics. Their blog posts are so fantastic. And sometimes it's not even something that's on your radar, like this, the gradients, like, you know, how can you dive even deeper? They have such great topics on that. Um, Oh, and if you you haven't signed up for it. And I'm going to link to this specific one, um, this specific post from Reading Rockets for our listeners, because it it, it linked to a couple different free activities and also free lesson plans to do with students about mm-hmm. this topic. And so I had printed them at the end of the spring um, and put them in my resource files. And I'm going to start those activities with the students this year. There's one more website that I, I like um, for vocabulary. It's called Edison Literacy. And so we're going to link yeah. to that website for people to look at as well. And then for decodables, th- those are pretty similar to, uh, I found like a lot of free decodables when I was finding all those really good phonics free curriculum. Mm -hmm. So open source, like I said, has decodables related to all the different phonics patterns. And then Flyleaf is a company. I told you all I ordered the print version of those books, but since the pandemic, they have provided the online version of those books for free, which is really, really nice. Um, So you can project it on the whiteboard and they're organized very simply by sound patterns. So if you're teaching the OA and OW long O pattern. You can just find that book very easily projected on the whiteboard and you could have your students read it as a class or shared reading or. That's so great. Whatever. I think also even having, like, if you do have those in your classroom, even knowing that you can then project them too is also really helpful Mm -hmm. so that the shared readings can occur. Or, you know, if you're working on a specific thing, you sometimes want to be able to write and use your whiteboard and highlight something, but you don't want students to highlight real books. But I also think it's really powerful for students to be able to hold real books too. Um, And so I think that that's really powerful too. So having that resource, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I would suggest if you have the funds to buy these Flyleaf because they're beautiful. They're way more beautiful in person than I thought they would be. Um, Just really high quality. Um, I don't know. The texture to the pages is really nice, beautiful, bright colors. And the TEs, like I said, are amazing. Um, But I first found out about them from the free ones. Nice. Um, And then um, I'm actually going to use ReadWorks their website mm-hmm. uh, next week. Cause I have to teach a lesson. I'm teaching a lesson about main idea details. And I have students at a variety of Lexile levels in that, um, in that classroom. And so um, I'm going to model using their textbook from the grade level, um, how to complete the graphic organizer about the main idea and details and trying to pick out the most important information. And then I'm going to give the students different level nonfiction passages from ReadWorks um, where they can use that with the graphic organizer at a level that is comfortable for them. So I really like ReadWorks.com. I think it's .com or .org. I can't remember, but we'll link to it in our show notes. And I've used it since I was teaching second grade years ago. Yeah. They have really good things. And I like that it's very easy to search by the Lexile. 
So that is my favorite decodable sites. And we are going to have a whole episode about decodable readers later in the season. So that's why I'm not going into too much detail right now. Um, And then lastly is comprehension. And Mm -hmm. I use the FCRR games for some specific comprehension activities. And then I also like to go to read, write, think and find lessons. Read, write, think is fantastic too. Yeah. It's a great place to just start browsing. It um, is. And you're just in awe of like the brilliance of teachers all around (laughs) and Mm -hmm. what they've come up with. Yeah. Yep. I love searching through that. And then two of my favorite. Oh, sorry. No, 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 please go ahead. Two of my favorite websites, just kind of overall for reading. I like finding things on the measured mom and this mm-hmm. reading mama. They off, there are some paid things on the websites, but there's so much free. And um, they have both content that they website. give. Yeah. Yeah. They've just updated recently. their websites because they are more informed about the science of reading now as well. Mm-hmm. And um, they have free decodables and free games. It, 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 I really appreciate what they do for the community. I do too. And that's a, um, I'm going to kind of dive a little bit deeper into that too. I think that our listeners are going to really benefit from some of the resources that you've shared first, Shannon, because you have more of classroom background and some of the resources that I'm using now, um, since I'm not in the classroom and I'm privately tutoring, I think that, um, if you are working at home with a student and you're a parent, you may want to use some of these resources. If you are a tutor yourself or um, if you are working with individual children, then this might help you first. And um, I kind of went about organizing my favorite literacy resources in a different way because my practice is so um, prescriptive per each student that Mm -hmm. I am working with. So often when students come to me, I do the initial assessment and I try to figure out where are the gaps? Where do I need to plug some of these holes to get a really solid foundation? And once the foundation is solid, then I'm building upon, um, you know, new concepts. And when I do them, they're obviously very targeted concepts because I'm doing the tutoring and the remediation end of it rather than general Um, so when I am looking at something, the first thing I want to figure out is what kind of a scope and sequence am I going to use for this student? Okay. So when I look for a scope and sequence, I have a couple of different go-to things. Wiley Blevins is definitely, um, one. When I was teaching in the classroom, I used recipe for reading. So recipe for reading is kind of my, um, kind of fallback, easy go-to crutch. And that's Um, a book, correct? It's a book, but it also is just, it's basically its own scope and sequence. And then it also has decodable um, readers that go with it. And what it does is it has, um, it has your word list. It has some dictation sentences. It has some um, phrases that your students would be using and reading through. They also have workbooks also that are affiliated with it too. Um, so recipe for reading is great. That is something that you do need to pay for though. So and it's been around tried and true for a really long time. Um, but so, so I want to have a really strong scope and sequence and I want it to be specific to my student. Um, I also use Emily Gibbons from the Literacy Nest. She also has scope and sequence um, options for the different levels um, that she has for each of her word lists um, and her she really has four different big levels based on all of the phonics concepts. Um, and then I also want to look for um, a really strong phonological awareness task 
go-to resource. So um, once again, I love Emily Gibbons. She has a lot of hands-on materials with that. Um, I also have um, just some um, some rhyming words. You know, we always talk about the frog book. The uh, getting running. ready to read. Getting ready to read. That is my go-to resource. Um, yes. I, I love doing that. Because I like her scope and sequence. She's got five different levels for the phonological and phonemic awareness. And they make so much sense and how they build on each other. So a lot of times I'll do word ladders. I will do um, word chains too that are picture supported. So we'll give a picture and then the picture might match. So uh, an example of a previous lesson I just did. And um, this one came from this reading mama, but it is... um, uh, words that have our control. So it has a picture um, that has a chain and each of the words on the chain change one letter at a time. If you haven't used a word chain, it's a really great way to kind of get the ball rolling with your kids and practice or review a quick concept. So um, that may be a a phonological awareness test that I do. We may just read it. We may spell it. We may tap it out we may talk about what position is changing so those tasks can also change she has Um, some activities in her book too about like which one doesn't belong where she'll show three pictures and the students need to figure out which one doesn't match what did two of the pictures mm -hmm. have in common and they might have the beginning sound in common or they might have the middle sound in common or they might have the ending sound in common and then one of them doesn't belong and that's really high level thinking i find that those tasks like you, you might just see that it looks like picture sorting, but really they, you can involve a lot of different higher level thinking tasks in um, opportunities like that. And especially when you're working one-on-one with a student, if you can give them that extra wait time to think it through, I find that those tasks are very meaningful. Right. And then you can build a metacognition even for the, you know, older students where you could say, well, why is this useful? Well, it's useful for spelling because then I can decide Mm-hmm. What letters I'm choosing, graphemes mm-hmm. I'm choosing to represent these sounds. It's the so you're then you're going into the orthographic processing piece of it, mm-hmm. and so you're you can be really specific and explicit in how to teach that, and that's kind of sometimes it leads to just like a moment of teaching it, and then you move on to the next topic, or it's a quick spiral review back to what you were doing. But anyway, I find that that to be really helpful. So I want to have that. I also want to have access to a really good list of words that are related to the phonics topic that I'm talking about. Because sometimes you can't just keep up like, okay, Mary, give me a list of short A words. I mean, it takes a second to come up with them. So if you just have that in front of you, and then, and then you're not getting distracted by, okay, well, which ones are irregular and which ones don't match and things Mm -hmm. like that. And yes, it's just nice to find good quality word list. So I, I love the book, How to Teach Spelling. It's an oldie but a goodie, but it's one of those things that you really need to know where your resources are. And that comes with time and practice. Um, You can also find lots of great word lists too. Um, There's some, if you are really interested in this, um, Emily Gibbons has a word list builder as part of the Literacy Nest and you actually join it. There is a fee to join it, but Um, it is a community of people who are working to build lists of words and talk about the different meanings and, um, and how those words fit together. That's very powerful. Um, the next part is, um, making sure that you have a really great phonogram deck. 
And mm. I have lots of phonogram decks because I individualize them for each of my students. And when I was teaching, I would individualize them for each of my small groups. So they can be a digital phonogram deck or it can be, um, you know, manipulating cards, but you want to be able to manipulate them digitally so that, you know, it's not just flashing the cards and they're just rote memorizing P, H, phone, and, and they're saying it slow. Like you want to get through a phonogram deck within three minutes. You want to make sure that um, it's a quick review. And after your quick review, what you want to do is actually manipulate those cards so that they're building and blending words together. So those words might be nonsense words. They might be real words. You might be trying to ask your student, is it a real word? Mm -hmm. Do you recognize this word? Um, so you want to make sure that you have really good access to that. And honestly, I've used a variety of different decks, and it kind of depends on which student I'm working with and how um, they're responding to it. Some of them need picture support with it. Some of them don't need the picture support with it. And so I like to use a variety of resources. So I have my old tried and true um, phonogram decks. The other ones that I like are from... Um, the literacy nest. So I'm going to just give the spoiler alert that I have been using the literacy nest materials since about 2012. So I started early on and I got her um, Orton Gillingham complete set. And then that was a growing bundle. So when I bought it, it was around $120, I think. And that was my Christmas present that year. <laughs> so excited to get started. Nerd alert. Up, That's the kind of things I get for my Christmas alert. too. I got a laminator and I got <laughs> a subscription to Teachers Day Teachers. Um, and then I also got the, um, uh, a couple of years later. So I've been using these materials for a while. So for me, those are my go-to resources because they have been living in my computer for a really long time. Um, I also go back and use um, a lot of this reading mama because she has offered freebies and she often offers freebies either on Instagram or on um, uh, through her weekly emails or her every two week emails. Same with this measured mom. So that's Becky Spence and Anna Geiger. And we have mentioned them because they're tried and true. They've been around for, um, you know, a number of years now, I think 2013, they all basically started off and that was, that was really great. So I'm looking for materials that are hands-on and can be manipulated or gamified. That's what I'm really looking for. I want to find out, is it a targeted skill and mm -hmm. can I use manipulatives with it to really get the buy-in from the student? And I find with all of, especially with this reading mama and the measured mom, graphics are great. They're easy to use. It's almost like a pull and print kind of situation. And um, those are my go-to resources. Well, for that. IMSE has a lot of free ones too, right? Like I saw someone on Instagram posting just yesterday about um, a haunted house free printable they had with the open and closed syllables, but it was a haunted yeah. house door. It was so, so cute. cute, right? No, I love that. And I think, you know, we're we're living kind of in a time of reels on um, Instagram and TikTok. And there's so many ways to watch people use these manipulatives and change them and, and quickly um, see how you can put that into your practice. So I love that too. Um, the other thing that I'm always looking for are really good visuals to reinforce my learned topics. I want my students to be able to 
look at a visual either in my tutoring space or on their desk um, and I'll send it back with them at school so that they can remember and have that like visual trigger to remember the lesson that they learned. Like, what do you mean? um, So it um, basically we have a, I have a visual and you can find this on our Instagram account and you can find it on when we were talking about syllables, but I have a visual that says a syllable is a word and it's a man holding his hands out or part of a word with one and he has finger up vowel making the V in sign language sound. And so the students, when I say, what is a syllable? They're going to look at that visual and then they're going to look at me and then they're going to do the hand motions to recall what is a syllable and what are we really listening for or looking at the vowel sound. Um, And that part is really important. I think um, also B and D reversals, making sure that you have um, a B and D reversal sign in your classroom making sure that your sound wall is really visible so that the kids can really look and see. They may need to see what the sound or what your mouth shape looks like when you're making that sound. Mm -hmm. They may need to see what sounds are related and make similar sounds. So those, those are really important. Right. Like my gentle Cindy for not mine, Mm -hmm. because I found it online, but I use (laughs) it all the time. The gentle Cindy for the um, soft C and G. And then I've even done, like we were talking about vocabulary a little while ago, like um, antonym ants Mm -hmm. and synonym, cinnamon rolls and heteronym M&Ms because they're multiple meaning and homophones on the phones that they have the same sound. Yep. Yep. I love all of those. Just as long as you keep reiterating it and your students can make that quick eye contact and then come back to you. Okay. Um, They can retrieve it if they need it. That concept. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, And then um, I really love targeted fluency um, situations. So if I have a student who has a lower score in the RAN, the rapid automatic naming, it's really difficult to kind of remediate that. However, I know based on experience and research that um, I'm not going to use isolated words with that student as often as I'm going to use Um, phrasing. So students who have um, isolated words and may have more difficulty with this automatic naming, they still need practice with it. Please hear me when I say (laughs) I'm still practicing with them, but I would like to do it within um, phrasing so that they can kind of get some context with words around it. What words surround, um, you know, uh, water, let's say water is your keyword. So um, we all get a sip of water is Mm -hmm. one of the phrases maybe. And so I want them to be able to associate some of the words that are surrounding it and feel a little bit more confident in their phrases. Um, I also like to do a lot of activities that have competition, either like competition with themselves or they compete with me. Um, It can be gamified that way or, um, you know, I may have them read across and and do phrases and say, okay, let's let's set a goal. Let's do 10 phrases in one minute. And let's see if we can do repeated readings with that and see if we can get 13 on our next reading. And, and what's our final goal? Oh, let's try to get 15 phrases for our final read after three minutes of repeated reading. How so do you I, find those phrases? Are you coming up with them or? So we may use cards. So, um, Fry, if you Google fry phrases, you can find a list of free okay. fry phrases. It's easy to put those on um, a digital slide or on a note card. 
Sometimes we might do it that way. Sometimes I even have um, printed ones and I'll put a link to the one that I love. It's called speed fluency um, phrases. And I'm, I apologize. I'll link to you in our Instagram account, the, the, where, where I bought that from, cause it's such a great resource. Um, but they, um, yeah, so, so my students love to do, um, kind of those quick one minute timed reading fluency, um, tasks that, yeah, that is making it gamified, like you said, yep. and that's just a way to get them engaged. Absolutely. I also don't want to leave out handwriting. Handwriting, mm. I think, is something that needs to be a really targeted skill, and it can be something that um, can also be really fun. I found um, I, I found a book that has jokes, and the jokes are handwriting practice. So <gasps> they they copy the jokes. How and cute! So it's really sweet. It's something that we can do within um, you know just a few minutes. I can do the corrections. After what I typically do when I'm doing handwriting practice, I will let the student practice and then I will go back and I will say, find one thing to change mm. just so that they can go back and, and circle the, and, and look at their work. So they're starting say, to get that analyzing role themselves. Yeah. But that then I also say, what is your, what is the best letter that you copied? Okay. And so they can find that and then I'll let them make one more change. And then, and then we'll look at it together with, with my critical, you know, feedback um, so that I am not the first, I, I don't give that first negative feedback, especially with handwriting. Right, that's empowering the student. Mm-hmm. And um, if, if they need a trick to, to do something, I may give um, a phrase that always starts with the positive. So um, where do we start our letters? We start our letters at the top. And so um, that's something that's really a typical phrase in handwriting without tears. So in kindergarten, if you're doing that, we used to sing it all the time. Where do we start our letters at the top? So even if I have a fifth grader, I will still say, <laughs> where do we start? And, you know, yeah. we laugh about it, use humor. Um, so I think what I'm doing is I'm trying to create a bag of tricks and I'm trying to figure out, do I have a, a few different ways to kind of... Um, capture the student's attention with these targeted skills, making sure that I'm still hitting in on all of the core um, topics and skills that I want to remediate. And even if it's not, um, I, I, th I think those are the biggest things. I always end with decodables and um, I want to make sure that I am having the student read something that is part of our review and our regular review a lot of times those are decodable stories that are tied to the lesson that I'm working on. And so once again, Emily Gibbons, queen. She has great decodables. Yes. She has great decodables. Um, I will say the funniest feedback, and I don't fault her for this, but um, before you teach the ED sound, um, she doesn't include any past tense words in her decodable stories. And so it, it would say something like the boy did sit on the fence or something uh, like this. Or, yeah, that's a bad example. She does linking verbs. She doesn't, she doesn't like use, it. Yeah. yeah, she doesn't use. Um, he did jump. ED. He did he jump. He did jump. Oh, yeah. And um, <laughs> if you remember back when I talked about my, my buddy Rigby, <laughs> he would get so frustrated. He'd be like, what, what are we talking about here? Can we just change the word? Or he would just then get so frustrated. He'd be like, he'd look at me. 
and then he'd read it however he wanted. Oh, <laughs> he wow. sent, like a past participle. It was so funny. <laughs> so, um, but I love that because I know that he's reading and yeah. he's got the context for it. Fine with me. Yeah. No problem. Anyway. But that shows that her decodables follow a very strict scope and sequence. Which I love, especially when I'm doing a really um, targeted lesson. So I love that you include a decodable with every single lesson. Um, I was mm-hmm. talking to a teacher at my school about this this week. And I was telling the teacher that um, just it's it seems like a no brainer, but it's not that in every reading lesson, every single day, make sure that you're given the kids time to read. Because there's so many times that I would catch myself when I was reflecting on my lessons for the day. And I'm like, we did an hour of reading like activities, but did they actually read? Now, that's a really good point, Shannon. That's a really good point. I mean, I just had to really say that, like, look myself in the mirror and ask myself that every day. Like, how many minutes did I give my students time to read? And if, if for a sports analogy, it would be like, the basketball coach, did they only practice free throws or did they play a little scrimmage, a basketball game? They have to apply the skills yes. I think to, to really, to really master them. And sometimes I would just, I would I, forget I, to, give, to give the kids time to read. So I love that. And I'm going to tie it to your flyleaf decodable conversation that we okay. were sort of talking about because Not only do my kids need to read, so yes, I want them to have these targeted decodable stories. I also want them to hold a book though. And I want them to associate reading with holding a book as well. And they do a lot of reading on digital um, screens and Mm -hmm. that's okay too. But there is something that is very powerful and it feels very grown up to children, especially young children, when they're holding a book and they're actually practicing reading it. And I think that, that, you know, we can't lose sight of those decodables. I actually have been using more sight word readers too lately. Um, and they have a lot of repeated texts. Um, and they, I find that it really builds confidence, but don't forget, like when we're teaching kids to read, they really do want to read and they want to read a book. So, um, I, I am always encouraging that. And then of course, um, reading at night or, or giving reading as homework tasks, that's so special and so wonderful and so important. So Um, my son, you know, he's in third grade this year and he's always been a reluctant reader, but that is one of the homework assignments every single night is they have just a little bit of kind of worksheet homework, and then they have to read for 20 minutes every single night. And so he, tells Alexa to set the timer. <laughs> he Aww. just gets on the couch with the book. It's really cute. And um, it's, it's it, it, the first, you know, month of school, it was a big fight mm-hmm. to get him to do that. But now it, 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 he, he, I think he's secretly starting to like reading. He won't admit it to me yet, but that's okay. Know, he let goes him, to it. He goes to it without the argument now. So I think, I mean, also building in that routine is just so, you know, it is very difficult for some parents. And I want to acknowledge that because it can be, I, I am at the stage where I, I'm actually having to pull the books away. <laughs> My daughter, yes, yes. She, she will literally stay up all night. And She's read. a little mini you. Yeah. So. I know. And I have the same problem. It's disastrous. Cause when you Here find those authors that 
mean something to you or the characters that mean something to you that's when you just become I know a reader a reader you know and that's what we want for our students especially the ones that have been struggling for so long and it just seems like reading I don't know they're just sort of outside of it and they haven't been unlocked into the reading world yet you know I love 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 that I also want to just like do a secondary if you haven't heard me say this I'd be surprised but if you're a new listener you might not have if you are putting a book in a reluctant reader's hands and they're really struggling with it, add the audio with it if possible. Mm-hmm. Let them listen along. And that could be even just doing a YouTube Google. You don't always have to purchase um, full audio books. You can get them through the library. Um, there, there's a lot of different ways to access them. Reading Ally is a free resource. Um, for uh, Learning audio. Ally, right. Did I say it backwards? Yeah, it sounds like it's a reading ally. It's learning ally it, with the L-L-L-Y. L-L-L-Y. Yes. Thank you. It's, <laughs> I, and it's sort of like um, um, audible, but for kids. I wonder if where another... it's got the it's got the, the 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 you know digital book and then the audio version and then it highlights the text as the audio is reading it, which I think is it. a powerful step. You got it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So anyway, so I'm so glad that, that we're sharing and talking about this. So I, you know, um, I'm always happy to chat about my practice a little bit too, because I think that, um, uh, my, the way that I have, um, changed my teaching practices is more different than it was when I was a classroom teacher. Um, and it's more targeted, but I still love having these conversations with you because I want to keep my foot in the um, in the door of the classroom so that I know what my students are still practicing and learning and mm-hmm. what are what are things that I can suggest to reading teachers when I go in and do advocacy work. Um, I never want to walk in and tell a teacher what to do. I often want to partner and give helpful suggestions. And like, I really mean that is uh, helpful suggestions. We're always trying to work smarter, not harder. So well, I think that we went over a huge list of I think our some of our favorite literacy resources. Yeah. And um, I'm probably going to bookmark <laughs> the links on this page um, I whenever know, right? I need them. I still go back to the our executive functioning episode from season one sometimes because it just says all the bookmarks in one, you know, all the links in one place of what That's I need so for executive functioning. And so this one, too, I, we're going to, you know, just in one place have all of our favorite literacy resources, most of them for free. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you're struggling with where to start with a student, or if you're looking for fresh activities and fresh resources, you can find them here. I will say we didn't talk a lot about reading assessments on this episode, but that's because that's going to come later in the season. We're going to do an episode um, around the middle of the school year, you know, like, mm-hmm. when, you know, Christmas is ending and January is beginning. I am the queen of free assessments. Too, yes. So, I so we're going to talk about all of that those. then. Yeah. And we're going to share assessments that you can either use when you are reassessing your students in the mid-year or you could use them at the beginning of the year or whenever cool. you get a new tutoring client or whatnot. Yeah. Good stuff. So thank you so much for chatting about this with me, Mary. And I learned a lot um, from you sharing your process and the resources uh, you do with your students. I'm loving this. I can't wait to go check out some of these um, resources that you also mentioned. So, all right, till next time. <laughs>